Church Podcast. This is part two of our series, What Are You Building With Your Life? with a message entitled, Building the Best Life, with Pastor Nelson Jones. I'm going to start with a story. It's uh, been told actually probably for, I don't know, a couple hundred years, this one. And the story is about uh, a ship that was a whaling ship back in the uh, big time whaling days. They were in the South Seas. And the story is told about a wounded whale, obviously a very large whale, that uh, ran out from the ship about a mile. And then it turns around and at full steam just comes right back at the ship. And nails it right in the broad, right in the broad beam. And it's to such a degree as it damaged that all of the timbers start leaking all around. And then everybody's abandoning ship. They're getting in their little boats and getting away from the ship. They're piling in whatever emergency supplies they possibly can. I mean, they're doing everything they can in a very short window of time. After the ship is... Uh, Uh, just really on the teetering about going down. Two guys jump out of one of those little boats because something had been forgotten. And they swam back to this ship that is on the verge of disappearing below the waves. They climb quickly on board and then they emerge and they just dive off the ship just as it is sinking and they get caught in the vortex of the sinking of the ship. They began to swim. And I'm going to tell you the end of the story and what they really, really were after, that one thing that had been forgotten at the end of the message. I do this with my grandkids too. (laughs) Don't let me forget to tell you. There's three functions that need to support all the roles of your life. We had a great men's lunch here last uh, Wednesday. We talked about a keyword called honoring. Uh, guys, we're instituting something uh, for men beginning at the end of August, end of September, four months in a row. Maybe a dinner and a uh, time together, just guys, guys only. Um, and we're going to be paying attention to that word for the fall. There's many different areas of honor. But in that, I also threw up three things that are really important for us to be aware of in life that we need. These are functions that you do to make sure that your objectives are being met, to make sure that you are in a place where uh, you can really build secure and, and do great things, do great things. Those three things start off with the word instruction. Now, if you think about the roles that you do in life, whether you are a parent, this is a great way to see it, but there's also instruction that goes into every role of your life, including business roles, uh, your, your uh, profession roles, you're gonna have all of this thing. But the first in role is just simply instruction. This function is critical to you. The function of instruction is something that is clarifying uh, what everybody needs to know to go forward. Instruction is not just the idea of teaching. Instruction is not just the idea of applying a certain learn or getting a certain learn in. It brings in other elements. But listen to Proverbs 4.13 that says this, take firm hold of instruction. 
Do not let go. Keep her, for she is your life. Instruction, it's saying in this particular proverb, is something you absolutely have to hold on to. If you abandon instruction, then for sure you are going to have a ship that goes down. You must take firm hold and not let go. You need to both receive it and do it. Now, receiving instruction, the number one place to receive instruction is, of course, from the Lord. The source of our instruction for life fundamentally rests on the scriptures because the scriptures are God's inspirational words to you and to I about every facet of life and living and everything that matters. And so they are the foundation of all good instruction. So if you're fulfilling a role of a parent, then the foundation of that needs to, of the instruction in that needs to be the scriptures. And so if we get that simple thing and we hold firm to that, you're going to have some pretty good results. The second function that must support your roles is the word discipline. I think this thing's running out, but if you can see that, great. Discipline. Discipline is, comes to us in many forms. It's not just the idea of uh, uh, correction. It's also uh, the idea of self-discipline, where you are not just doing it outwardly, but there is the inward discipline that is necessary uh, in our lives. Discipline is a function that you must have. Instruction must come first. Discipline must come second. There's an order to this that must be respected. Let's go to a third one, and that is just simply lead. There, that's a little better black there. Lead. It is the final of the three. Think of it as a recipe in this regards. Instruction is first, first. Discipline is second. Lead is third. Let me go back to discipline and read a few scriptures for you. Proverbs 12, 1 says, whoever loves discipline loves knowledge. Did you get that? If you love discipline, you love knowledge. If you love correction in whatever form it's coming, you love knowledge. It's not punishment, it's correction. If you love that, you love knowledge. But he who hates correction is stupid. Don't you like the way some of these versions just put it right out there? All right? So next time your kid isn't loving your correction, just tell him he's stupid, okay? Okay, maybe just tell yourself that when you're not loving correction. I'm really being stupid here. I know you've thought it about others. Why can't they just see it? Like, why don't they just change this? Why don't they just do it different? I mean, it's pretty obvious. Here's another one about this is Hebrews 12, 11. No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. Now that word trained is the key word at the end of this entire phrase because meaning we need to be trained for success. You need to be trained for strength. You need to be trained for achievement. You need to be trained for purpose. You need to be trained. To be trained means that discipline has to be a a key part of that. And at first it says it's never really pleasant at the time, but it is painful. That's why we like to avoid that first phase. But if you can't handle the pain of discipline, you're only propagating pain for the future. So all you're doing is delaying pain and moving pain forward. And it's going to be greater. 
So discipline is the wisdom to make sure that you're bringing correction to that which is false or false ideas or false actions or false belief or false emotions. To bring that kind of chastisement to it. Under the word lead, we have this scripture, Proverbs 10, 17. He who heeds discipline shows the way to life. Wow, but look at this. But whoever ignores correction leads, there's that word, others astray. Parents, you can lead your kids astray. It's kind of like the skit, make a choice. Like, make a decision here. If you're gonna heed discipline, that's gonna show the way to life. And if that discipline is upon the instruction of the Lord and from his word, then you will certainly lead them well. If you do not, then you will lead others astray. You can lead people astray all of the time simply because there is a lack of instruction, of clarity, embracing of it, engagement of it in your life, lack of discipline to see that that instruction runs deep and takes it deep in you. And then finally, when you get to leading, you're leading them down wrong trails. Look at this one in Proverbs 4.11. I guide you in the way of wisdom and lead you along straight paths. Straight paths means like, we're just going A to B here. Like it's pretty, once we've gotten into the instruction, it's clear. The discipline, we put ourselves into a place where we will carry out this instruction and remove the obstacles that are or bring in the things that need to be brought in. And then we end up leading in straight paths. See, God wants to guide you in the way of wisdom and your roles. He wants to guide you in the way of wisdom and all that he wants you to accomplish in life. And to do that, he wants to lead you in straight paths. So we want to just back it up a little bit and talk about instruction, discipline, and lead, but I'm especially today just going to focus on instruction because this is where things often go wrong. In fact, it's kind of a thing like this. If you don't get this one right, don't try to discipline. If you tell your kids uh, nothing about right or wrong on something, and then when they do wrong and you discipline them, do you understand that you're in the wrong? You have to make it clear. You have to put the polls in place. You have to make the decision possible through good information and clarity. And when that's where the word of God comes in because it's really clear. On what it's clear on, you eat, these are what we call moral absolutes when the right and wrong choices are made off of these things. When those are clear and they don't change from moment to moment, generation to generation, they just stay in place and this is what your family is founded on, what your life is founded on, then you have the ability to be clear in the midst of a very curvy world. It just leads straight. And just lead straight. Instruction is this idea then of really making sure we got the right poles in place. Once your kids know that, they're good. If you're a, a business person and you don't instruct your employees well, they might call it training. But if you don't instruct them well, you're not giving them clarity about what your expectations are. You're not giving them clarity about what they are to do or how they are to do it, or when they are to do it, or why they are to do it. If you're not clear, and then you are gonna come and give them a hard time, and you say your job performance isn't very good. I don't like your job performance. To what measure? Instruction in the workplace is really important to your success. You may be a manager in a business. You may be in a profession. Instruction, 
brings measurement. You can give them markers. People now can choose around you whether they are gonna hit the mark or not. And that's why God put in the scriptures the clear moral codes that are there. Wrapped up in love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. And in behind those actions, we find a clarity that we can measure ourselves and we can be held account in a disciplinary way in our lives where it's not there. Then the lead. Don't try to lead if you're not instructing and if you are not disciplining. When you try to lead people without having the first two things right, you will not have any influence because this lead is just a very simple word. It means you have influence. You got many roles in your life where you have influence. And your influence over time, if you do this well, will grow. And your leadership will be something that can be impactful, reinforcing the journey in a good ways for people around you, for your home, for your businesses, for just the general living of whatever role you are playing. You're gonna have roles you move in and out of too. Like you might be helping out in the community in this way and you're gonna carry out that role. If you do these three things, I promise you, that you will have at the end really good influence and have accomplished some things really, really good. What we do is we have fears that match up to each one of these things. That cause us to pull back from them. In instruction, what we do today is we tend to turn it over to the experts. And we are big today on this. Like, phone the expert, book an opinion with the expert. You know who the expert really is in all of creation? It's Jesus. He's the expert. He's the one that has made all things plain and will continue to make those things plain. He is the expert you go to to get your source of instruction. It, today, there's a lot of abandonment because we, because of a society has become based on expert and then pawning off over to them the responsibility. Even for our children, we do it. Pawn it off to the expert. Pawn it off to the expert. For our marriages, we tend to do it. Pawn it off to the experts. How, hang on here. Let's first as Christian men and women understand that there's one expert that trumps all other experts. And if you're not going there first, the other stuff in its function will have huge limits. And you're only gonna look to which one is gonna strengthen your position and weaken the others. When it comes to instruction, you gotta have a heart for God that's willing to hear truth for yourself. And he's gonna instruct you not just on things around you, but on things in you. And how you respond to that is critical to everything else. We live in an age when people are afraid to take the responsibility of even what is right or what is wrong. Well, somebody over here says it's, it's wrong or somebody over here says it's right. Last I checked, God's word still is God's word and it's still the place that we go. And this is where we get the absolute responses of where we need to chart our courses. Once you've got wisdom here, there's all kinds of ways to flesh that out with help and accountability and all kinds of things. But you gotta own your position as instructor. 
You try and do this in a business. You just pass it off to somebody else all the time. I promise you, you're really hindering the development of your people below you. You are holding them back because you will not give them good, clear instruction. Anytime that we abandon the process of instruction, it gets foggy, it gets confusing, and then clarity is not there. How do you hold discipline? Clarity must be there for discipline. And then finally, leadership. I'm gonna tell a story to you and read the story of Jesus' first miracle. We're gonna take a look at this. It's a story of the wedding that he went to. And let me just read it. Three days later, there was a wedding in the village of Cana in Galilee. Jesus' mother was there. Jesus and his disciples were guests also. When they started running low on wine at the wedding banquet, Jesus' mother told him, they're just about out of wine. Now, how many know that could be a disaster? Some of you more than others. Jesus said, is that any of our business? Mother, yours or mine? This isn't my time, don't push me. Ooh, reprimand to mother. Now, if you're Jesus, you can do this, okay? Don't reprimand mother other than that. And the reprimand was simply that I don't do favors just because you're my family. I came to do miracles to affirm that God loves you, that I've come among you, and that I've come here and I have power over all things. Then he goes on and he says, she went ahead anyway, telling the servants, just like a mother. Whatever he tells you, do it. Six stoneware water pots were there, used by the Jews for ritual washings. Each one held 20 to 30 gallons. Jesus ordered the servants, fill the pots with water, and they filled them to the brim. Now fill your pitchers and take them to the host, Jesus said, and they did. When the host tasted the water that had become wine, he didn't know what had just happened, but the servants, of course, knew. He called out to the bridegroom, Hey, everybody I know brings out their finest wines and after the gifts have had their fill, brings in the cheap stuff. But you've, you've saved the best till now. In this story, there's so much great little truths to illustrate instruction, discipline, and leadership. But first, instruction. One simple phrase of obedience. Mary knew enough to tell them this. Whatever he tells you, do it. It wasn't Mary told them to do it. Mary wasn't going to step in and say, do this. She didn't take charge. The servants didn't take charge and say, we're almost out of wines. Run to the next village. You know, raid their storehouse. Bring it back. I mean, they didn't take charge of this situation to correct it. Instead, they waited for Jesus. Jesus comes along And he just tells them very simply, go do this. There's a choice at that place. You saw it in the skip. There's a choice at those moments in life. There's a choice by the servants. There's a choice by Mary. There's a choice of all the people around whether they are going to respond and how they will respond. The instruction is clear. Mary gives it, then Jesus gives it. Mary just tells him, she does, she, I'm abandoning this. If he tells you to do something, you go do it. Whatever he tells you, go do it. 
Jesus' instructions are very simple. He addresses them and say, take those six stone water jars, go fill them to the brim with water. And they did. They obeyed the instruction down to the T. They took the stone jars. They, by the way, stone, whatever's stored in it before will not transfer taste to the next. So the fact is he took these and they filled them to the brim. They brought them. They didn't taste it. They didn't do anything like that. They just carried out the function. It was a certain type of obedience that they carried out. It was an obedience because they were clear on several things. Number one, they were clear they could do nothing about this situation or problem. They couldn't correct it. They were clear that they couldn't do anything about the wine shortage. They were at the point, well, if somebody can, we're sure willing to do whatever we have to. And they were. And so when Jesus gave directions, they just went and did it. So they were correct about their own weakness. They were correct about their own flaws and faults and inabilities. And they said, we aren't the ones that are going to make this situation right. Instead, they had ears for somebody that could. Now, oftentimes, we just have bad ears at times on instruction. The Lord has given us instruction. Forgive. I have bad ears. Uh, uh, can you repeat that again? What was that? Give? Well, I didn't quite get that. Our hearing can be really bad around the things that we don't like about instruction. We can be extremely selective about instruction. And yet, this is the fundamental of changing everything in our life and situation is clarity. So if you're needing clarity on something today, whatever you are going through, whatever plans you may be setting in place, whatever you feel the direction of your heart is being pulled, or whatever kind of issues you're wrestling with, clarity is the beginning of actually getting somewhere good. Clarity is fought though. Why do we fight it? Because clarity does reveal our weaknesses. Clarity does reveal our shortcomings. Clarity does reveal that we're not enough for everything in life. Clarity does tell us that we need outside help. Clarity does tell us that faith is needed. Clarity, it's a challenging thing. In this personal story of Jesus, the very first miracle, He's teaching something about a very simple thing. If you will obey what I say, if you will take clear instruction and work it through discipline and then leadership, I promise you that you will have this. What? Here, just what this guy said. You've saved the best till now. The only thing keeping you from the best is you are either caught up with what the past has been and you don't want to repeat or take risk on failure or you're caught up within your own sense of inability and you haven't, uh, you want to deflect away any kind of challenges or change. You are not in a place where you've got good ears that you can just begin a life of obedience to what he says. We fight it, Clarity. Because we are afraid of things like giving up control. We're afraid of failure again. We're afraid of giving up the chair. It's scary to give up the chair. We're afraid of it. When you're afraid like that and it causes you to hang on to control, you're missing the best. 
Because clarity is waiting for you and leads you into, a, into the best of what God has. So what are you unclear about in your marriage? What are you unclear about in your parenting? What are you unclear about in any relational context of your life? What are you unclear about in your money, your finances? What are you unclear about in your profession? What are you unclear about in your dreams or your aspirations? Where are the unclarities? What you want to do is go at those with a willing heart and a hungry heart for clarity, no matter what is said. Just like Mary said, whatever he tells you. So if he says to you, go and jump in the lake and fill it full of water and then come on back and climb the mountain and then come on down or no matter what he says, just do it. She says, just whatever, just do it. In this case, Jesus took the direct route and he just said those stone water jars, go fill them to the brim. When they had done that, he said, take your pitcher Fill it, take it to the master of the ceremonies and of the celebration. Very clear. And out of that came wine. Out of that came something that throughout the history of man is thought of that which brings that sense of essence and vibrancy of life and kind of that party celebrative environment. Jesus produced the best. Clarity in your life is a critical component for you to have the best. Sometimes people, even we, get really, really good at keeping things foggy. Because every time you get clear, you get closer to decision point. So you want to resist clarity. And you hold yourself back from clarity. And we will ask questions. We will deflect over here. We would rather talk about this. Well, what about all of these other complexities? What about, you know, what about those stone water jugs? How are we going to lift those? I don't know if we have enough manpower around here. Can we use something else? Let's see if we can find something. We like to actually just go into all of the other layers. And the only reason we're doing that is because clarity brings us closer to decision point. Decision point. Where's clarity been trying to press in on your life? He's been trying to instruct you internally. Oh, I get this, I get this often. He's, he's wanting to instruct me internally. See, I'm having something going on in this day and, I, and I'm not liking what's going on, but I feel his instruction coming in and saying, here's what I, I want for your response here. Here's how I want you to approach this. Here's what I want you to do in this moment. He gives that kind of clarity of instruction to the inside. In the scriptures, we have all of this outwardly. People ask questions that are completely answered fully in here. The children in your life, your home, whether they be your, your children or your grandchildren or whatever generation is now present within your life, in your zone, they need the kind of clarities that they, uh, when they're young, so that they are set in for later. Yet in parenting, again, we often make the mistake of thinking somehow this happens by osmosis, that it just will happen. Jesus didn't say to these servants, he didn't say to them, well, figure it out. Come up with your own plan. He didn't abandon the role of instruction. He gave them very clear instruction. 
And today on this particular word, this is your beginning point in three functions that can turn things around. Now giving full authority to Jesus' instruction is the critical starting gun. Because instruction is not just information. When he says forgive, he's not giving you information. When he says love, he's not giving you information. When he says these things, he's giving you instruction. And instruction has that word authority behind it. So when the boss says, here is how this job needs to be done, there's authority behind that. It's not just learning, you know. It's not just some kind of osmosis kind of process. There's a clarity of here is what you do. When you get the clarities right, you're gonna find that those things where the questions still remain will clear up as you begin putting one foot in front of another. When it comes to Jesus, he never left people with an unclear choice. You choose. Zacchaeus, choose. Rich young ruler, choose. Woman caught in adultery, choose. Men who are gonna throw the stones, choose. Choose. Joseph, when he, not Joseph, Joshua, when he stood up before the nation of Israel said, choose this day whom you will serve. He said, get clear. Just get clear. Whose voice penetrates? Whose voice is followed? Absolutely. There's three types of obedience. One is personal obedience. This is where you are the one that carries it out. You're not putting it over to some other expert. You have a personal obedience. He, you, you come across somebody that's hungry, you don't just say, oh, I know of, hang on, I know of a, of a thing in town here you can go. No, you, you take personal obedience and you meet what you meet. It's personal. It's not that you put it off. Oh, we are great referrers. We are great refers. We've learned that. That's something for the Christian. When God puts it in your plate, when he puts it in front of you, you take a personal obedience to it. It's up to you to take charge and be obedient to it. Those servants took it. They weren't his servants, folks. They weren't Mary's servants. These were servants of the feast. They made a choice to listen. You make a choice to listen. And so what happened was good things. There's prompt obedience. They didn't have a meeting to see whether they should do this or would do this. It was prompt. They did it. They just did it. Prompt obedience. And then finally, perpetual obedience. Whatever he says to do, do it, whatever, do it. Now, just take a look at these three words and let me ask you, wouldn't it be great if all of your kids had all of these things matured in their life? How easy would that be for you as parents? They're personally obedient, they're promptly obedient, they're perpetually obedient. They don't even need you. What an amazing family that would be to raise. That's actually our goal as Christians, is that we take on obedience in our life so that we, when we're clear, we just carry it out. The clarity in instruction is with authority. 
When he calls you to do something, when he has made it clear to do something, he's not asking in a way that says, you know, well, you know, if you ever come around to it, or I hope you will do this, or that's not how he works. He's clear. He's clear. So when we talk about being clear, you cannot in this day and age, and now I want to say a few things, you cannot in this day and age give up your clarity to the fuzz or the confusion of the world. And the only way that you're going to stand today on anything is if you are clearly rooted on things that will not change. So what God says about sexuality, what God says about gender, what God says about marriage, what God says about forgiveness, what God says about love, what God says about anything that is written here, that our culture wants to move and, con- and, and display some other kind of moral code, if you're going to walk that down, expect to be living in confusion and you'll have no idea how to train or how to raise or how to correct or how to lead. Amen. Amen. We as the church of Christ are here to live by this truth. The number one truth being Jesus is God Almighty in the flesh. He is not some special prophet or teacher. He is not somebody with some special gifts. He's the big deal, the real deal, the only deal. He is God revealed to us. Emmanuel, in fact, God with us. That being the case, his words are God's words. His teachings come are the mouth of God itself. And when he teaches us, even when he teaches us in parables with all of the layers of truth within them, we find in there a clarity. We find in there a surety. We find in there something that we can put our full feet on and not be moving aside to anything that comes in the current world. The world doesn't set your trajectory if you're a believer. The word of God sets your trajectory. How do I respond right now in this relationship? How do I respond right now in these finances? How do I respond to these people around me? How do I respond in this age? How do I respond as a business person here? How do I do this? It's here. And when you want more layers, then you go to this beautiful communion that you have with him as a believer in him. You have the presence of the Holy Spirit in your life that you can come and connect with and he can bring layers of knowledge as you take the quiet meditations, as you take the quietness before him and let him in that communing time share good things with you. That comes out of good stuff. You know, if somebody was gonna write uh, a biography on my mother and they were gonna tell me what my mother was like and who she was, I'd say, you can teach me nothing on that because I knew my mother. I knew her in a way you could never know her. I knew her communing. I knew, I knew her, her heart. I knew what she was really like. That's what you want to have with Jesus. 
You know him through here and you know him through that meditating, communing part of your life and they can't tell you who Jesus was. They can't change who he was. They can't change, because you know him. Really know him. You see, Christians, you're gonna have to be strong in these days if you wanna lead your homes, your businesses, your lives with clarity and with strength. If you wanna have the best in the last You want the best in the last seasons? I want to tell you that it's only going to happen through this kind of work. And especially on this instruction. Because if you get the instruction right, it clears up the next two. You've got to do this in this order. And so wherever, get clear on the relationship, what you should do. Get clear on this whatever issue you face, what you should do. Get clear in the roles that you have, what you should do. And then take those into function. Okay, I told you a story. Remember it? I left you with two guys trying to swim out of a vortex and then actually searching for something as they're doing that. Ship is going down, the water is doing this as it tends to do when ships go down and they're right in it and they are trying to get a hold of something in that vortex. So they finally get this thing, they survive that, get in the little boat and with that they had this little box that they had rescued. Do you know what that treasure was? No, it was not a bag of Doritos. It wasn't, it wasn't anything like that. It was a compass. Why a compass? You know why a compass. Because that compass, without it, they would not have the direction that they needed. Okay, what's your compass? Because you're in a vortex. You're in a ship that's going down. This world is, okay. So you're in a vortex. What's your compass? You know, it's worth risking everything for that compass. Because everything is lost without it. Let me close with a few things. Then we'll have communion together on this Sunday. In communion, we celebrate the basic things of our faith that are totally unchangeable and they must never change. They are your compass. They are your compass. They are your compass. Here here is your compass. You're not going to like the first one, but... All of humankind is really big sinners. Everybody. It's not like, you know, we're on some kind of ladder and you got, you know, this one that's, oh man, hardly got a sin. And then you got those de- depraved individuals at the bottom. And we were all horrible sinners. Anytime you make life about you and about you and about you and about you, you're practicing sin. That's why fear can be a sin. Fear of the wrong kind. 
Not fear of God, but fear of others. We're horrible sinners. The next truth. God is absolutely holy. I mean, to such an extent is he holy and so good that there is no flaw in him. He's always going to do right by you. He loves you. The other thing that cannot be changed is this. He didn't abandon us. He came to instruct us to discipline and to lead us into eternal life. And he did that by becoming one of us. Jesus Christ is God come, born in the flesh, seed by the spirit placed in the womb of a virgin, born and lived amongst us without sin, died on a cross, shed his blood, which washes our sins as white as snow, as the scriptures tell us. That is something that is indisputable. It's not, you can't change that. You can't play with that. If you want to play with that, you're going to go back into horrible sinners trying to somehow appease a very holy God. And then he rose again. He dominated our two greatest enemies that yet remained, death and hell. He dominated them, defeated them, took away their hold upon us and said, no longer is death ruling you, separation from God for eternity ruling. No, it doesn't rule anymore. The price is paid, the blood is shed, the sins can be cleansed, accept the gift. These things are fundamental and must never change. These are the things that are rock solid. This is what makes you a Christian. This is what gives us a message in this world of the goodness and the love of God in Jesus. That there is a plan of God and a purpose for each man, woman, and child. This causes us to stand for life. It causes us to stand for that which is right. It causes us to practice that in our homes. It causes us to, because of those clarities, to pay the price with those that might scoff or laugh. It causes us to stand with shoulders straight, hearts on our sleeves for our Lord who loved us first. This is what he wants and what we need. And I promise you as you do that, you are saving the best for last. You are giving your children that which is the best you could possibly give them. You're giving them the best wine of life that exists. What they do with it, well, they gotta make their own chair decision. They'll make their own chair decision. But may they never be in the shadows about yours. 
Be clear. Let's stand together. Father, we want to build great things with our life. But we can't build on sand. We can't build on stuff that doesn't hold. We got to build on stuff that doesn't change, rock that doesn't move. Just like that parable that you told us, Lord. We need to be people of instruction, both on the receiving end and on the giving end. We need to be people of discipline that lines up with the clarities that are there and so that we can lead and lead well on very straight paths. Father, I pray that wherever in our lives there is just that fog that just wants to keep us from the best. What do we do in this situation? Jesus can take and turn water to wine. That was his first miracle. That's what you did first, Lord. That was a big message to us. You saved the last, the best till last now. Help us to see it and help us to understand that with clarity we can begin the changes that will bring the best into our life. Father, we thank you for the table of the Lord which we're about to celebrate, that you gave your son, Jesus. We thank you that the shed blood of Jesus and the broken body of Jesus are the payment that you have made in an absolute way, not a down payment, the full payment, for our Lord restitution to you. We are grateful that it is by grace and not by our effort. But we are grateful that the best life will be by faith as we live the clarities we know. Lord, I pray that we'd be people of great learning because we love instruction. Instruct us, Lord. Tell me how to be a better husband. Tell me how to be a better wife. Tell me how to be a better uh, employee. Tell me how to be a better man, a better woman. Tell me, Lord. Tell me how to be a better brother and sister in the Lord. Tell me how to be better, Lord. Show me, instruct me, instruct me. My heart is leaning in. I want the instruction. I want to learn. And I, Lord, will do it. I'll do it with personal obedience, prompt obedience, and perpetual hear our cry on that Lord bless these emblems as we honor you and remember all that you have done for us in Christ's name we pray amen thanks for listening if you find this program helpful or would like to learn more please give us a call 780-539-0572 or email mail at peopleschurch.gp.com.